Summary Epigraph The epigraph is from Women of the Dawn, a book by Bunny McBride that follows the lives of four Native American women that lived in the Northeast U.S., tracking four centuries of their lives from initial contact with Europeans to the 70s. The epigraph discusses the necessity of the Native Americans traveling light, then pivots to discuss the burden of fear. It gives a sense of pragmatism and implies that fear must often be ignored to accomplish a goal. Prologue I believe in ghosts, the prologue begins. We don't know who's speaking yet, other than it's a woman, 91 years old, and that this person feels left behind by everyone she's known. She still feels the presence of the people she's known, including her mother and father. Sometimes she feels suffocated by the memories of them. She says that she thinks heaven is the memory of our best selves we leave behind, where we live on after we've died. She feels lucky that she was given the memory of her parents' best selves at nine, and the memory of her true love at twenty-three. She also has a sister, Maisie, still alive, seven years younger. The narrator can either fall down under the weight of sorrow or memory, or keep going, and the ghosts are whispering encouragement to her. Spruce Harbor, Maine, 2011 Molly sits in her bedroom listening to her two foster parents, Ralph and Dina, argue about sending her back into the system. Dina wants to send her back. Ralph, who was a foster kid, does not. Molly's in high school and is a goth with many piercings, black hair, and heavy makeup. She's standoffish, both at home and in class, as she doesn't trust people and doesn't want to make connections that will end when she's sent to another home. One boy in her class, Jack, is determined to be her friend in any case and becomes her boyfriend. She's in trouble for stealing a copy of Jane Eyre from the local library. It's her favorite book, and she doesn't like asking for things from people, depending on their whim. She was caught, however, and arrested. Now she has two choices, to go to juvenile detention or to serve community service. No one in the small town of Spruce Harbor is going to want her to work for them, so she's most likely to go to juvie. There's a chain she's wearing, something from her life before she entered the system. She always puts it on when it looks like she's leaving a home. It contains three charms given to her by her father before he died in a car accident. Her young mother spiraled down and ended in jail. Molly was put in foster care. Her friend Jack calls and tries to talk to her about her problems. His mother works as a housekeeper for a rich old lady, Vivian Daly. Mrs. Daly might allow Molly to do her community service by cleaning her attic, which would allow Molly to stay in Spruce Harbor. She tells Ralph and Dina that she found a way to serve her community service. Ralph, who's in favor of giving her a chance, is pleased. Dina, who's not fond of being a foster parent, is ready to send her away. Spruce Harbor, Maine, 2011 Jack is driving Molly to Mrs. Daly's house. She's made an effort to appear normal, taking out many of her piercings, toning down the makeup, and borrowing a non-black blouse. Jack is worried she doesn't understand that this is her one shot to stay in Spruce Harbor. Molly thinks Jack doesn't seem to understand. It's all going to go wrong no matter what. She arrives and is escorted through the house by Jack's mom, Terry. Terry has not told Mrs. Daly that this is court-appointed community service, and instead said it was a school project. In addition, she loves her son and is doing it because he asked her. However, Terry has her doubts about Molly. 
Terry introduces Molly to Mrs. Daly, who asks to be called Vivian. Vivian is 91 years old, and it's safe to assume she's the narrator from the prologue. They talk. Molly reveals she's Penobscot Indian on her father's side. Vivian comments her elaborate appearance is a sort of tribal makeup then, which is more likely an insightful observation. Molly considers if this is true. Molly considers herself an orphan, despite the fact that her mother is still alive. If your parents don't take care of you, then you're an orphan. Vivian reveals, by that definition, she was an orphan as well. There was a fire, she says, but she's reluctant to say more. New York City, 1929 The narrative switches to the first person again. Maisie is crying, and the narrator, Vivian Daly again, tries to comfort her.